0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to... Keys to the Kingdom, I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God, and we're going to do it by looking at Exodus 16, and uh, we've done a lot, we'll do really a brief review of a little bit, uh, just to bring everybody up to speed, but uh, most of the audios are available uh, at the website preparingyou.com. And if you're a member of the network or the living network, uh, you should be getting those notices when they go out. That's kind of our newsletter. And so you should be on that network. I get uh, emails occasionally. People will send me private emails, uh, and I'm aware of them. I try to allow them to join the network and, and make contact through the different ministers to Repeat the pattern that we're going to be seeing Moses doing with the tens, hundreds, and thousands. We saw Christ doing with the tens, hundreds, and thousands. We see Jethro bringing it up in relationship to a system of courts and an actual government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And they gather in these tens, hundreds, and thousands to communicate, to help one another, to be there for one another. People don't do that now. Many Christians, many Jews uh, don't do that today. Muslims often don't do that either. Uh, even though it was a tradition for thousands of years and is one of the most common forms of self-government, is this network of tens, hundreds, fifties, thou- uh, and and thousands. You know, it, different combinations. If you got 5,000 people, and you do the tens, uh, fifties and hundreds, you're gonna end up with 5,000 people gathered in a network. And basically, it's a very simple concept. There's no magic in the numbers. It's just, uh, you can keep track of nine to ten families, but to keep track of a hundred becomes difficult. And, uh, this was wearing out Moses. And uh, so I do see a lot of those emails, but I know that some of the people that send me these emails are in contact or should be in contact through congregations, and I'm in contact with the ministers of those congregations. But uh, I make a note that uh, a lot of people think that they're doers of the word, that they're believers, and that they're trying to get themselves right with the Lord, and uh, the same is going to be a part of the process that we see unfolding with the Israelites as they come out of Egypt. For some reason or other, and we will address that, God heard the prayers uh, or the cries of the Israelites in Egypt. There's a factor to why he would hear this, because we see over and over again God is re- making references through the scriptures that he will not hear certain people. He will not hear them in that day. But sometimes he does hear them. What are the distinguishing characteristics of the people that their prayers get heard? And to sum it up, basically those people begin to care about other people as much as they care about themselves. This is a key element. In order to care about those other people, you have to forgive those other people. And uh, to test that forgiveness, you have to sacrifice for the welfare of those people in free will offerings. This is really just, I just summed up some of the most basic elements of the kingdom, repeated over and over again by Christ. We'll see them repeated by Moses. But we will also see in the actual text that, that there is translators, translators playing with words. Playing with the meaning of words. If you, if you want to tell a lie, don't change the words, change their meaning. That's something I just added to one of our pages on sophistry. And so we're going to be always looking at words, looking at what the authors originally wrote, trying to find out what charity really looks like, and understanding that legal charity is not real charity, it is not the fervent charity. You can't be charitable in order to make a profit. You have to be charitable with literal sacrifice, laying down your life for the welfare of somebody else. And it's even more so important when it's somebody you don't know. But that charity has to be a form of charity that strengthens the poor and is guided by the Holy Spirit, which is ultimately what what we're going to try to be showing you. How was it... That Moses was getting this extra guidance. Moses was crying out to God and getting this extra guidance. Now we know the Israelites were guided by something called a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire, which are actually seem to be the same object if you keep seeing its reference. There's somebody inside that. It comes over and Moses talks to somebody inside. Uh It's referred to as an angel using the same word that also means a messenger. So whoever's inside, and there's lots of speculation amongst modern Christian groups as to who's inside. But there there's an actual somebody they're talking to that's in this pillar of fire and pillar of smoke. And of course, we should not go by artist renditions of what this looks like. We get very little description of it other than in the daytime it looks like smoke but at night it glows like fire and for all we know it's the same thing that Moses saw out on the desert that he referred to as a burning bush and in it he's communicating with somebody and that somebody according to Moses is a messenger of the Lord L-O-R-D all caps which is Yahweh which is the existing one and we're going to try to Bring you to a little bit better, at least intellectual understanding of what the existing was, the existing one is and what that meant and how it worked. And when we looked at the song of Moses, uh, is not a celebration of the death of the enemy, but the function of this existing one and the laws of this existing one that if you are not forgiving, If you are not giving, if you are not sacrificing for one another, if you're not walking in the ways of the Lord, if you're not willing to see your own error, which, you know, Adam and Eve, they didn't want to admit their error. When they realized they had made a mistake by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they hid from it. They even hid from the tree of life and they fled the garden. They fled the garden because... They didn't want to stand in the light of the tree of life and see themselves as they really are. I mean, you know, the ancient, uh, the story of Adam and Eve and other uh, ancient scripts refer to Adam and Eve as being sorry. But being sorry is not really being repentant. Repentant is changing your mind. Willing to see that which you would not see before. Admit that which you were not willing to admit before. Confess that which you were not willing to confess before. In other words, why are you doing this? Because you love the light. You say you're born again, but if you're really born again, you will love the light. You will not seek the darkness. You will not hide from the truth. Well, we're going to share a lot of truths with you. And that's something that comes up in some of the letters that, where people said that they, they thought they were serving the Lord. They thought they were, uh, trying to get out of the bondage of the world. Cause they did see that. But ultimately, what you have to see is what got you into the bondage of the world. What returned you to the bondage of Egypt. And this is what Israel is going to have to discover. And they're going to go through a lot of trials and tribulations. We all go through lots of trials and tribulations. But we have to be willing to see the whole truth and provide for it. That's ultimately what we have to do. So the Song of Moses is simply realizing that there is a God, there is a divine designer that he has put laws in motions. We can see, you know, through experiments, we say, well, there's something we call gravity and there's something we call thermodynamics and there's something that we call you know, uh, chemistry, and all these things oper- operate according to a pattern. Well, if we have a spiritual existence, if we are not just a compilation of electrical and chemical reactions in a complex system of cells that sprung out of a primordial slime completely on its own, if we are not really entirely (laughs) self-created and we actually do have thoughts and consciousness, we think, therefore we are, then that God would probably have patterns in the spiritual realm of our existence, as well as in the physical realm of our existence. And these patterns are what they are discovering... Uh, Moses is evidently seen, Moses is able to predict, yo, this is going to happen, yo, this is going to happen. Yeah, this is what we got to do. And he sees these things, and and he doesn't see them all the time. He doesn't go to the tree of knowledge. He never says, well, I go and I I studied this and I studied that and I knew what was going to happen. He says he goes to God and cries to God, and God tells him. Not the tree of knowledge. He's walking with God. He is communicating with God in his spirit. This is what he's saying. And he's right a lot of the time. He makes mistakes. But he's right a lot of the time. At least according to the story. Now you can disbelieve the story. But if the story is true, what are the patterns in creation that will help us see this spiritual revelation I talked about Matthias Desmond, a scientist from the Netherlands, who talks about all these other scientists who are admitting, and we're seeing more and more of that, uh, that there is a divine revelation or divine resonance, that there is a God. This is commonly accepted. And there are more books. Uh, I, I will release a video shortly that where we, I talk with an atheist and bring up some of these points and we will be bringing a lot of them up in other subsequent shows and and uh, podcasts and maybe videos so that you understand how the spiritual world works because it can actually defend you in those time of tribulations it can show you how and where to go you don't want to look just for some moses to guide you you want to look to what guided moses so anyway, this destruction of Egypt, uh, is connected to the way of Cain. And I may bring up some of these things because I'm also listening to the, the, uh, symposium on Exodus with Jordan Peterson and his group of scholars who come up with some things. And we will be addressing them as we go through 16 as we have before and hopefully bring light where there is darkness. And one of those things that we, we've done in the past is this idea of leaven. Leaven is not just yeast; the same word for leaven is also the word for cruelty and oppression and violence, and so getting the yeast out of your house has nothing to do with getting bacteria that makes bread rise out of your house it is It is getting out the cruelty and violence and the appetite. Uh, for benefits at the expense of your neighbor through men who exercise authority. Getting that out of your house, getting that out of your way, getting that out of your practices so that you will not go the way of Pharaoh and his servants. You will not be blinded by your own greed and avarice, but you will actually learn to see the light in your part of how you got into darkness, how you got into bondage so that you can turn around and go the other way and start walking with God. But it's going to take personal reflection. One of the things they also brought up uh in, in their symposium, Jordan and his group symposium, is that the, the problem was technology somehow. that That the technology, the wheels of the chariots and everything had to be destroyed. No. Technology is... Is not the problem. (laughs) The problem is spiritual. It is the willingness to see the truth or not to see the truth. And a lot of things that people bring up distract you away from your personal realization of who you are, where you are, and how you got there. So the singing was about this universal concept of power uh, built into nature. That, if you go up particular way, a particular path, it will turn you in another direction it will it will redesign you in another image, not in the image of God. Pharaoh and his people literally killed themselves because they chose to remain blind to their own pride, hatred, selfishness, and uh, their foolishness, and ran. Full force into destruction. And we will see that over and over again as we go throughout the text. We're going to make reference to a lot of other parts of the Bible while we look at 16 to help dispel some of the delusions that I see even coming out of the uh, the uh group of scholars with Jordan Peterson. They are confused about certain things and they don't see them. Will they see them? I hope so. I hope people share these audios with them and some of the videos that we're going to make with them so that they they will see their the error of their ways. There there's a whole series on Exodus is evidently going to be released on YouTube for a period of time. And so people, so I'll make reference occasionally to what episode that some of these things are in. But, you know, just in our own folklore, our own, you know, movie making, you know, Emperor Palpatine. And, and the generals were so proud of their technological wonder, the Death Star, etc. But what was their downfalling? They couldn't see some characteristic in the heroes of the story. And that characteristic was the willingness to sacrifice themselves the willingness not to go the way of the dark side, <laughs> the, the way of exercise, the way of leaven. They they weren't going to go the way of leaven. They weren't going to go the way of legal charity. They were going to help one another out, in, even if it meant their own sacrifice. And if that isn't the message of Christ, I don't know what is. I'm not saying the best place to get the message of Christ is in the movies of Star Wars, <laughs> but there are patterns in our stories that sometimes make our stories seem great, and we don't even know why they're so great. Uh, But anyway, one of the overall themes, you know, about this removing of the 11 is there were 10 plagues, and then there are 10 complainings uh, by the Israelites as they, They're moving towards freedom and then there will be ten statements which we call commandments and we will look at that word commandment in a couple of places because we see multiple different words translated commandment, sometimes translated law, sometimes translated statutes and they actually have meanings and a lot of times we will place modern meanings on these different you know, words that we're reading in the Bible that don't always correspond singularly to the words that the author chose to put down. Like they'll take a word that is commonly translated mouth, and then suddenly they will translate it commandment. Well, no, it's still, the author still wrote down the word for mouth. He didn't write down the word for commandment. We'll see words like statute and law, etc. And different words are actually put in place by the author. But the translators, clearly, sometimes, and and I, I don't fault them for it, I just make a, a revelation of that, is that they have an agenda. And there's lots of different translators out there. But, the Holy Spirit has an agenda, and ultimately what you need is the Holy Spirit. You don't need to go out and learn Hebrew, although if, if that's where the Spirit is leading you, fine, go out and learn it. <laughs> but you have to realize that your teachers may not be listening to the Holy Spirit. They may be plucking their information about that language or about Scripture from the tree of knowledge again. We want it from the tree of life. Because the life giveth life, and the letter does not. So anyway, we're going to jump right into Exodus 16. And, uh, we will make a little bit of references to some of these other things as we go through it. But there's a lot to have, so we've got to get started on it right away. And the first heading I have at Preparing You is Bread from Heaven. Because that's the one that was in Esord. <laughs> so I put that there. But I've added a lot of other headings so that we can kind of find our way through this. Because a lot's going on in chapter 16. And they took their journey from Elam. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin. Which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. Now this is an arduous journey. They are sometimes traveling at night, uh they're they're crossing Red Seas, uh there's not nowhere along the road is there a McDonald's or a seven <laughs> eleven. So they are traveling with what they've got and uh, they're they're going in places that whole nation of people whether you go for the big number or the smaller number a lot of people are traveling along this way and we're talking women and children and kids and how are they making it how are they able to do this and in verse two and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness now this is a this, we'll look at this word murmur a number of times because there's actually several different words. Well, several different renditions of a word for murmur and try to understand what, obviously they're complaining. This is difficult. And they're complaining for a lot of different reasons which we'll look at. But in verse three, we see, and the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, their brain... Their own animals. Now they can start butchering those animals and eating them. They might have already done that. If you follow large numbers of animals out in a desert area, I can tell you this from from talking to ancient <laughs> shepherds and reading all kinds of texts. There's always some animal that is not keeping up, and it's falling behind. And it's probably not going to produce young. It's not probably not going to be fruitful. It's what we would call a coal, and those coals are probably butchered regularly along the trail, and they share with the people. But there's a lot of people, and you don't want it when you start butchering the young, then you know that you're not long for this world because without the young. There is no reproduction. There is no next generation. So they have some food, but it's not looking good. I mean, they're looking around at the mountains. They may have had a little bit more grass in those areas at that time. Now, we don't know what the rainfall was. I, I would assume that, you know, based on uh geology and archaeology studies in those areas, that there was more rainfall at one time. And so there might have been more grass. We know about what time of year this was. But it's hard going. So we're just going to read through this. We'll look at several more verses. But then we'll go back and we'll go through this in detail. Because understanding the flesh pots of Egypt is going to be critical. And there's lots in the Bible that tells us what that means. But Jordan's group didn't seem to get it. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back. So let's let's read a little bit farther in this to try to understand this idea of of what is going on here. The people do have some meat with them. They make a reference to the flesh pots of Egypt, which is often misinterpreted. Evidently, I've read all kinds of commentaries. Gone back and read Jewish commentaries. And, uh, you know, they, because many of the Egyptians were more vegetarians, although they did have fish because they had the Nile River. And uh, so they were eating fish, and they make reference to that, that this was pots filled with fish. But they didn't say the fish pots. They said the flesh pots. And these are very unique terms. Uh, But their complaint is that they ate bread to the full, and now they're not getting bread. They're getting, you know, maybe some meat and what they're carrying and, you know, their leaven bread that they baked when they left. That's evidently running out. Uh, how much grain are they carrying with them? That's running out and they're looking around them, you know, as they went through the wadi and the, and even now on the other side, on the Saudi side of the Red Sea, uh, the Gulf of Aqaba that uh, they're saying, I don't see a lot of places we can grow grain. You know, how are we going to, you know, it, this is really an act of faith. They're looking at like, what are we, you know, we're getting farther and farther away from where we know we could have produced food, even though there was place We didn't lose all our crops. And they're back there growing right now, but we're out here and there's not much growing. And whatever is growing, our sheep are eating. And this is a dangerous situation. Have we, ha, ha, are we out here that the whole assembly might die? What, what do you got planned for us, Moses? So anyway, in verse four, then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. And I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. So this is a test. We're seeing that this is a test. And and they're looking. They're not crying to the Lord. Moses is crying to the Lord. Moses has got got an explanation and answer. They don't know. They're just crying. They're just upset. They're just worried. They're, They're concerned. And so uh the reference to the law here, unlike what we see in other places, is the word Torah, which uh many people translate as law, but may not mean exactly law as we think of today coming down from parliaments and and uh you know uh congresses and etc. But we'll look at that later in verse five. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So we're getting a heads up here as to what's coming in the future. God is telling Moses, hadn't told the people yet, but has told Moses and in Verse 6, And Moses and Aaron said unto the children of Israel at even, Then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall see glory of the Lord. Some sort of, you know, I probably should look at that word glory, and show you what word is actually there. uh, For that he heareth, your murmurs, and I have here, you know, an example of, of what the word there murmurs is, and um, the the normal word for murmur is, is, well, there's actually a couple of different ones, but the one they they, they ascribe a strong's number here, tav lamad vav nun hey, it actually comes from a word. uh that means uh, that is written lamad vav nun uh which actually means to abide or to lodge or you know uh, 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 locate yourself and it, it means more because they've added more letters, so when we look at this idea of this murmuring that is uh, that is coming up uh they There's setting a picture for the people to, uh, of what, the way that the people are thinking and how they are thinking in this process where they're murmuring about God and Moses and Abraham. And it says they actually murmur against the Lord, not just ...against Moses and Aaron. And, but the word we see there is... ...tav lamad nun... ...tav yad kuf mem. Huge amount of letters added to this word murmuring. It means some... It's like another word. There are so many different letters added to this. And twice in, in that word we see this letter for faith... So, are they really saying a bunch that we say that that he heareth your murmurings. The Lord heareth your murmurings. He heareth what is in your heart. He hears your faith or lack of it. What you believe in and what you don't believe in. And what are we that ye murmur against us? They're murmuring against the Lord. He's saying, what are we, Moses and Aaron, that you murmur against us? God hears your murmurs, and he uses this completely different word, almost completely different word. has the same origins, but we've explained that how Hebrew is. They're trying to tell you more, that God is looking in your heart and in your mind. So Moses is going to try to create space by what he does and sets up according to the instructions of God so that... Space opens up in their hearts and the murmuring settles down, quiets down. And then God could maybe write upon their hearts and upon their minds. This is the goal. And and we're seeing that God is going to actually rain bread, at least until they get into the promised land. We're we're talking maybe 40 years. He's going to rain bread daily, except on Sabbath to try to create almost a genetic memory in their mind of how his universe works. Not just so they memorize the Ten Commandments and try to keep them, because they'll probably, and we know they have, distorted what the Ten Commandments actually mean, what it's actually referring to. But he's going to try to do this. So there's a period of time where they have to practice certain things To open up their hearts and minds so that they can hear the same voice that Moses is hearing and guiding Moses. So, in verse 8, it says, And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your murmurs, there's that word again, which ye murmur against him. This is not out loud. This is in their hearts. He, he knows what the problem is, and he's going to try to help them remedy that with some sort of charitable contribution from God himself in the morning and in the evening. So, anyway, uh he goes on, He, he hearing their murmurs, etc., against him, and what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. So he's warning them that they're, you know, it's it's not like Fauci. He says, if you argue against me, you argue against science. He's actually talking about a real God where you are murmuring against the messenger. You're actually murmuring against God. But... He knows he's going to have to back this up, but he's giving them a heads up how he's going to do this. Because Moses can, knows, to some degree, exactly what's going to happen because he's plugged into to this God and he wants the people to plug in too. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. He knows what's in your heart. Well, this word... Come near, that's karab. Uh, It's a particular, you know, word that we see, uh, uh, kuf resh be it. And it actually is translated offer many times. But it actually has to do with drawing near. Because your offering, which is what I was saying at the beginning, your sacrifice, your offering will draw you near the character of God. This is how he hears your prayers. Is that you actually start caring about others enough to do for others in a way that strengthens them. And so there is this word, karab, that uh, is meaning to draw near, but is most often translated, 95 times it's translated offer, uh, 58 times it's Translated near as in draw near or come near. 58 times it's translated bring. Uh, Another 18 times come draw nigh. 12 times come. Approach 10 times. So we already see we far exceeded the number of times they translate this word to have this idea of drawing near than what is the common translation offer. If we look at all the other different ways in which they translate the word. Approach, at hand, presented, etc. That comes to well over a hundred times it means to draw near. The interesting thing, which we will discover as we go, is that this, this word to draw near, karab, produces another Hebrew word which we see in the New Testament. And that is korban. The Corbin of the Pharisees, which made the word of God to none effect, comes from this word karab, to draw near. And it also it appears many times in the Old Testament, and it is often translated free will offering. That, that's how it is translated. It is translated as free will offering. So, what what are, what are we seeing? What are we understanding as we look, uh, as he's talking about he's going to rain bread. He, he's, he's going to give you evidence that he is the one who brought you out of Egypt. Moses is giving you evidence that he is a messenger of God because he's telling them something's going to show up in the morning and in the evening. And you're going to like it. And it, it will fill you up better than the flesh pots. That you saw in Egypt. That you didn't just see in Egypt, but you sat by it. That's an important concept because the word sat by there isn't always the same word uh, that you see everywhere for sat by. It has to do with more than that. So he he says... uh, And in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord of God. In verse 12. In Mm -hmm. verse 13. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew... That lay was gone up, in other words, dried up, evaporated. Behold, upon the face of the wilderness on the ground all around them, there lay small round thing, as small as the horror frost on the ground. So it's like little tiny pieces of frost on the ground. But... The moisture is dried up and this is what is left. So something has come down with the dew all over the place and they can go out and pick it up. And so in verse 15, And when the children of Israel saw it, they said unto one another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. They didn't know what it was. So this is why they call it manna. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Now, when they were in the bondage of Egypt, which is how they got into the bondage of Egypt, the Lord of Egypt, the Pharaoh, gave them bread to eat. Now, the Lord that has delivered you out of the bondage of Egypt is going to give you bread. So, if you owed your allegiance and your service and your labor to the Lord of Egypt... You're now going to owe your your service and your duty to the Lord that is giving you this bread to eat. You're going from one bondage to another. But the bondage of the Lord is the liberty of God. But in order to enjoy the liberty of God, you have to do things according to the way of God. In order to do things according to the way of God, you have to see the way of God. And you can't see the way of God until you're willing to see... The way you have departed from the way of God. And of course we know that the way of God will include forgiveness. You have to forgive others to be forgiven. We know that it will include sacrifice. You have to sacrifice for the life of others for you to pick up a more abundant life. So you're seeing a pattern here that we see with Jesus. And Moses is going to be teaching them the same pattern. So in this verse 16... This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, gather of it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. So, you, you get an omer for everybody that's in your tent. so that everybody's going to get it and the children of Israel did so and gathered some more some less because I mean some people are old people some people can't bend over as easy as other people Uh, some people may not have sight they can't see they can't even see to gather. so you're going to have to gather for those who can't gather enough for themselves and you're going to have to share it and you're going to have to do this Every day for the next 40 years. (laughs) Do you think that that's, they'll learn something in this process? They're, they're not just, you know, they're, this not, it's not like God is all of a sudden filling up, you know, say they had a bowl that can, could contain an Omer. So this is not direct deposit. You're, you're not going to automatically get this. They're not going to recharge your EBT card. God's not, God doesn't do it that way. You're gonna to have to go pick it up. And you're not only gonna to have to pick it up for yourself, but you're gonna to have to go pick it up for everybody else. So you're gonna be busy. And you only got a little time to do this. You gotta do you gotta get up early in the morning. That's another thing. Everybody's gonna become an early riser. <laughs> and they know that they, they, they can have something to eat, but they're gonna to have to work for it. And they're getting something to eat where there really isn't anything else to eat. Now, they still, still may butcher some of their older sheep and older cattle and stuff like that as they go, because waste not, want not. But that isn't going to feed everybody that's there. That, but this manna from heaven is evidently going to do it. And, and when they did meet it with an omer... He that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. So you have to eat it all. And so that means that you you can't store up so that, you know, For the day you want to disobey God, or the day you want to sleep in, (laughs) You, you you don't want to go out and gather. I'm going to gather up twice as much today, and I'm going to take tomorrow off. No, you got to gather it up. You know, God's still going to give you a day off, but we'll we'll see that. Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto Moses. We're going to see this regularly where they. They don't follow the instructions. They think they can decide for themselves what's going to work. Moses has this insight. Now, not everybody did this, but some did this, but some of them left of it until the morning and it bred worms and stank and Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. So they had to get, this is the morning job. Everybody's got to get up early and do this. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Verse 23. And he said unto them, this is that which the Lord hath said. He spoke of this. Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath the holy seventh day unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seethe that ye will seethe, and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning. And Moses bade, and it did not stink. Neither was there any worms therein. And Moses said, eat that today, for today is the Sabbath, the seventh day, unto the Lord. And today ye shall not find it in the field. And there was none. There was no man in the field. Every, every week this happened? For forty years? Wow. <laughs> That, that would make me a believer, but not necessarily. Uh, and it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather and they found none. So some people went out and checked and they didn't find any. So something was causing this to appear. This is not a natural occurrence. You can call it a miracle, but you also got to remember they're following a a pillar of fire at night, which appears as a pillar of smoke during the day, that's got somebody inside it that speaks to Moses from time to time. Not just speaks to Moses like when he cries out to the Lord, but actually, you know, Moses goes up and speaks to him. So the... Moses is learning something from the Lord direct. And then there seems to be a messenger in this thing floating around up there in the sky. This pillar of fire and also looks like a pillar of smoke. That could be doing all kinds of things. And we'll see that in the next chapter. That this pillar leads the way for some more of the miracles. I don't know what that pillar is. And and I'm sure all kinds of people are conjecturing all kinds of things and everything. Moses doesn't tell us. I can't tell you. I haven't ever seen it. But this is the story. And so we need to understand at least that there's something else going on here. But according to the guy writing the story and manifesting the story, this all has to do with that Yahweh, that L-O-R-D, that existing one, and his messenger, who is evidently in this pillar of smoke and fire. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? So they have two words here, commandments and laws. And the word commandments is the mitzvah we'll see other words translated into commandments that don't really mean commandments like the word that means mouth and then we'll also see the word torah which is also occasionally translated into commandments but may mean something uh a little bit different so anyway as we see this um commandments and And my laws. We see these two words. Showing up again. In verse 29 he says. See for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath. Therefore he giveth you on the sixth day. The bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now. I think that is very telling because later on, everybody on the seventh day is gonna go to the synagogue. They're gonna go meet on the Sabbath. Uh, people go to the church on the Sabbath. That's not the original instructions. The original instructions, stay home. Stay with your family. Stay, stay in your house. You know, uh, pray in place. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we'll have to talk more about this and the Omer of Manna when we come back. And then we will tell you what the flesh pots are. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Keys of Kingdom. We've got a little bit more to look at This, uh, Omer of Mammon in verse 31, and the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was called, it was like a coriander seed, uh, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commandeth, fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. Now there's reference to the fact that, uh, elsewhere that in the Ark of the Covenant, which is not yet built here, Uh, the Ark of the Covenant built by Moses. There's supposedly other Arks of the Covenant (laughs) that were even built before the flood, but that's another whole story. And, uh, but anyway, they put an Omer of this in the Ark of the Covenant so that people would see it. So it'd be interesting that if you found (laughs) an Ark and it did not have that in it, then you probably found one of the other Arks. But anyway, but, This is what Moses is saying that to remind people this is the bread that I gave you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt, which is the land of bondage. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony Be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years until they came to the land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. Now, an Omer is a tenth part of an Epha. So, anyway, that's, you know, a unit of measure. So, We've read through this, but do we understand this chapter sixteen of Exodus? Do we understand everything about it do can we can we now cry out to the Lord and he will hear our prayers uh, and answer our prayers see it's very possible this word that we see murmuring with these extra tovs is actually not The whining and complaining and the contention that you see, in other words, also translated murmur or murmurings. That because of the presence of these two letters of Tav, that God is doing this because some of the people actually do have a little bit of the heart of Christ. They're already drawing near to Christ. I mean, there are people... That have sheep that may be sharing meat with those who have no sheep. There are people maybe carrying the burdens of other people. Helping, you know, the other people round about them go through this arduous journey. Carrying extra water so they can share with other people. There's likely such people amongst them. There are almost always such people in almost every church. Where there are people who will just do more, show up more, be there more for everybody else. And they are the children of God. The people who are just trying to, you know, be lazy and selfish. And, you know, we're going to see some of them in the stories to come. Dathan and his followers and these other people. They're causing trouble. But those people who have the heart of Christ, God is hearing their murmurings. And the the others that murmur against Moses is murmuring against God. But God hears everybody's heart. And so God has this plan to help everybody move in the way of God which is the way of Christ which is really the way of Moses but we'll have to we'll have to see that and we'll have to take a look at some of the common themes throughout the Bible there is this consistent message in the Bible according to what we could call divine will or the divine design also called right reason or even the law of nature and we have links there to what are basically the same argument uh, 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 articles Telling you about what this thing is. and But this common theme is, as we judge, so shall we be judged. To change that, you must forgive one another. To test that forgiveness, you must give. This is critical in understanding the law of God. And we hear it over and over again in different places in the Bible. I mean, Matthew seven one, Judge not that ye be not judged. The Pharaoh judged that it was okay to go and oppress the people and kill the people and even kill Moses. And every time he decided that was a good idea, death came his way until all his soldiers were destroyed and all his chariots were destroyed. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. We see the same thing in Luke six thirty-seven. Judge not that ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. This is the common theme. Certainly in the message of Christ, but it's also, this is what they were singing about in the Song of Moses. Is that, the enemy was destroyed, but they weren't celebrating his destruction. They were celebrating this law built into the universe. That if you judge, so shall you be judged. We can look at Proverbs twenty four twenty nine. Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. <laughs> Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Don't we remember that? I will render to the man according to his works. According to his work luke six twenty seven but I say unto you, which here love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, okay that's New Testament, that's supposed to be all different than the Old Testament, but in proverbs twenty five twenty one we see if thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. In order to do that, you have to forgive your enemy. But by forgiving your enemy, forgiveness is there for you. Because what you're doing is you're sacrificing your desire to judge others. To hold others in contempt. And that draws you near the Lord. And if you want to test whether or not you forgave somebody give him a gift <laughs> give it to him anonymously romans 12:20 therefore if thine eyes excuse me therefore if thine enemy hunger feed him if he thirst give him drink for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head but not to burn him but to awaken his conscience, to give light to his right reason, which is the wisdom of God. Luke six thirty seven. as I said before, uh, judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Not always so easily done. So it's something that we have to learn how to do. And that comes with practice. Covetous practices are the reverse of that. That's desiring benefits at the expense of your neighbor not caring the fact that your neighbor may be oppressed by that desire, by your appetite for benefits. And so, that's, again, this is a common theme in the Bible. The divine law according to the God of creation, if we have eyes to see is set in motion by his Logos, God's Logos, God's right reason, in a universe of cause and effect, which is the kingdom of God. See, in the kingdom of God, the unrighteous will feel like they are in hell. It won't be just hot coals on their head. It will just enrage them. They will flee it. The enemy will flee it. They they won't even dare charge across the Red Sea. Moses was attempting to teach the people to care for one another without the leaven of Egypt. The cruelty and the violence and the oppression and the force of this bureaucracy of Egypt that forced the contributions of the people. And there were these taskmasters. Which was the welfare system based on the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. Jesus repeats that warning. that We are not to be that way. Moses was saying the same thing. We aren't to have the leaven of these benefactors who exercise authority. These Egyptians who put these heavy tasks and burden upon us. And at the time of Jesus Christ, the lawyers were putting heavy burdens upon them. The scribes and the lawyers of the Pharisees who were in a a government of control and force, they were putting heavy burdens on the people. Jesus still is going to have a burden in the kingdom of God. It's not direct deposit. You can't just say, I believe I'm saved and then run out the room and do everything like you were doing before. You have to repent. You have to think differently. In order for you to think differently according to the ways of God, you aren't going to find that out by the tree of knowledge. You're going to find it out by the tree of life. And to go to the tree of life brings you into the light of the fact that you haven't been doing according to what early Christians were doing. You aren't taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. You've been in a system, whether you're in Canada or you're in Colorado or you're in Florida or Arizona or the Netherlands or Romania, <laughs> you need to gather together and start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity And the perfect law of liberty. This is why the network is so important. There's an email network. We just refer to that as the network. But there's a living network where you actually sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and you make a commitment. A personal commitment between you and God. Not between you and me. Not between Moses and Aaron. But between you and God. To do things according to what we know is coming out of the mouth of God, according to the logos of God, according to the righteousness of God. That We were not to exercise authority, but we were to take care of one another without the leaven of Egypt, without the covetous practices of the world. The constitutional orders and systems of government that exercise authority one over the other. We were not to be that way. And we're told that over and over again in the Old Testament. That we were not to desire those dainties of rulers. Those wages of unrighteousness. We should not be biting one another lest we be devoured. That's New Testament telling you that. The wages of unrighteousness. What is that? That's those benefits that come to you by way of men who are rulers and exercise authority one over the other. Are there rulers in the kingdom of God? Absolutely. There's rulers in the kingdom of God. But they don't rule over you. They rule over themselves. They take care of the business of God. Through faith, hope, and charity. And if you give them something, they rule over that thing you give them. But you don't give them your right to choose. Your right to choose was originally given to you. Don't give it away to somebody else. Except maybe in marriage. (laughs) And that's a mutual thing. God created that institution. For such ways will uh, of unrighteousness, will run towards death. It is is the way of the one purse. It is the way of, you know, the dainties of rulers. You know, if you have an appetite, if you sit and eat with a ruler and you be a man of appetite, put a knife to your throat. For what he serves you, his deceitful meats are the dainties of a ruler. They come to you by way of men who exercise authority. That's Old Testament, which Jesus repeats in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John if if you don't you will be dr- drawn towards the dark depths of the red sea to the bondage of egypt back to into the cauldron where they are in their flesh pots and in their cities of blood so what am i talking flesh pots cities of blood How is Moses crying out to the Lord is another thing that we need to take a look at. If you are uh, going to learn the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, you will need to understand that Jesus and Moses' statues are telling us really the same thing, which we just went through back and forth, Old Testament, New Testament, telling you exactly the same thing. But people don't understand the Old Testament. And like I said, I went through all these Jewish commentaries trying to find somebody in Jewish folklore that knew what the flesh pots were. <laughs> and I was unable to find it. I, I'm, I'm sure it's been out there, but I just was unable to find it. Can we learn like Moses to cry out to the Lord so that we can understand these things without me doing all this research? <laughs> in, in spirit and truth, we should know. There's something wrong with taking from our neighbors through men who exercise authority. Christ said it absolutely three times. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, directive not to be that way. Yet all the churches say it's okay to go to men who exercise authority to get your EBT card, your food stamps, your welfare. To get them to take care of your parents. So you have to do no more aught for your parents. That is the Corbin of the Pharisees. Because the temple would take care of your parents. Because you had to pay into the temple. Because that's the system that Herod set up. That's the system that FDR set up. That's the system set up in Canada where Jordan Peterson lives. That's the social system. It's based on force. It is full of leaven. So I hope he hears this. Because he was so close. When he asked, what are the flesh pots? The Holy Spirit was touching him to ask that question. But but Dennis Prager didn't give him the right answer. But I, I understand. Dennis Prager was probably not given the right answer. He hits kind of close later on, and we'll look at that. It gets right up to the edge of the truth. But I'm not sure. He's knocking and going in the door. But we'll see. If he hears this, maybe he will catch it and realize how far we have to go if we are willing to turn around and see the whole truth. So he cried out in a way that caught the ear of God. This is what Moses said. He caught the ear of God, and we talked a little bit about the murmurings. So much faith in that word "murmurings," <laughs> and, and uh, cough and mem and yod. I think that means something different than they're writing down there. It, it They added those letters for a reason. The author added those letters for a reason. The Masoretic people put the letters still in there, but they didn't tell you the meaning. I couldn't find them explaining the meaning of how you get God to hear your voice. You don't do it with chants and music and singing songs and building buildings. It has to do with where your heart is at. Do you really have the heart of Christ? Have you neglected your children so they've made a mess of their life? Have you uh, neglected to speak the truth when you should have? Uh, What can you do to bring the power of that Logos back into your family? It's, It's something we have to struggle with individually every day. To find this law of nature, this divine will. And have it written upon our hearts and our minds. So that we know where to go without looking for a Moses somewhere to lead us. So anyway, Jordan Peterson asked that uh, and it was in episode 7. I've got it here in the notes. He asked, what are the flesh pots? Of Exodus 16.3. But nobody seemed to give him the right answer. It, it's really very, should be very clear. Flesh pots are the same two words, basar and, and seer. Uh, describing what we see later in Ezekiel as the cities of blood. And... and the cauldrons of flesh. They're the flesh pots. You know, in Ezekiel 11, we can read it right here. What's say? It is not near. Not near. Let us build houses. What's not near? They're not being drawn near to God. <laughs> so let's build houses. This city is the cauldron. And we be the flesh. They're setting up a system of one purse, which you can read about in Proverbs. Look just look up one purse at preparing you or look it up in your own concordances. Um, Ezekiel eleven seven Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, your slain whom ye have laid in the midst of it, that city, they are the flesh, and the city is the cauldron. But I will bring you forth out of the midst of it. Later on in verse 11. This city shall not be your cauldron. Neither shall ye be the flesh in the midst thereof. I will judge you in the borders of Israel. But you're not in the borders of Israel. And neither is Israel in the borders of Israel. Because they they are a city of blood. They are doing the same thing that they did in Egypt. They're all back in the bondage of Egypt. Eating at the flesh pot. That's where they get their benefits. I, I did a program where I mentioned Netanyahu. He didn't even know. But he came close himself. Close is not good enough. Close is halfway across the Red Sea. <laughs> so he's got to get closer. But he reduced the social welfare. He He reduced the... Leaven, the burden of taxation on the people of Israel. And they prospered just by getting a little bit closer. But he's still only halfway across the Red Sea. He's got to, that Israel and, and really the people have to Recognize, and this is why you need this network. You need to create this network. And that's what's interesting. Jordan Peterson is seeing the importance of the network. But if it doesn't learn this message of how to take care of one another through faith, open charity, how, how to see the repugnancy of legal charity, how, how to see that any appetite for that will destroy you and destroy your people. And we will also see these words again in Micah which is bringing the people into bondage again in uh social and political systems where the people have the one purse. There's a link there on the page to the article on one purse, which is in Proverbs, warned about in Proverbs, where there is a collective which runs towards death. See, that's why Egypt ran towards death in the Red Sea, because they had been running for Towards death for years in their flesh pots. In their cities of blood. And we're going to see how that even plays out in the, the Amaleks. Amalek. What does that mean? Amalek. Liquor of blood. <laughs> uh, the book of Balaam uh, talks about the Amalek. But anyway, so what does it say in uh, Micah three three? Uh, who also... Eat the flesh of my people, and flay their skins from off them, and they break their bones, and chop them in pieces, as for the pot, and as flesh within the cauldron. So Micah is making references to the same idea of the flesh pots, the flesh cauldrons. Are they really eating people? If you're eating the benefits that are provided by men who exercise authority one over the other. You're taking a bite out of your neighbor. You're not loving your neighbor. You're taking a bite out of your neighbor. This is what legal charity does. This is why so many even modern prophets tell you that legal charity will destroy your society. It will absolutely destroy your society. So the flesh pots are, are a reference to these cauldrons, these cities of blood spoken of in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Lamentations, Ezekiel, Proverbs, Hosea, Nahum, Habakkuk. We, we can just go down the list. Isaiah 59 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ears heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. It didn't draw you near God. It separates you from God, your iniquities. What are your iniquities? Covetous practices. That is the iniquities. And your sins have hid his face from you. So you... You create your churches, you create your religions, you create the emotion where you want to believe you see God. But you know you don't see God by your works. Ye will not hear God. You'll cry out to him, but you will not hear him because of your iniquities and your sin. Which is what is sin? Departing from the pattern. The pattern is thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Thou should not make covenants with men who exercise authority so he can bite your neighbor and you can chew the flesh that is in this one pot, one purse. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness until you deal with the elephant in the room. The fact that every nation is dependent upon legal charity, which is forced charity, not free will offerings. You're not going to be free. You can get in all the networks with Jordan Peterson and everybody else and get very close, but you're not only halfway across the Red Sea. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. I'm telling you the truth. Whether you want to hear it or not depends on where your heart is at. But we'll have to finish this when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom after a brief break. Be right back. Well, welcome back. So I've, I've found so many places, but there are so many more that I can say the same theme continues throughout the Old and New Testament that modern scholars and theologians and authors and students of the Bible seem to just completely miss. (laughs) They, they, They don't realize. They can't see it. They walk right up to it. And they don't quite see it. It's staring them right in the face. And Moses was telling them, and Isaiah was telling them. We were reading Isaiah 59, uh, verse four. We started. None calleth for justice. Well, everybody's crying for justice, but not real justice. What they call social justice, which is not real. They don't. They wouldn't know justice, justice, if it ran up and bit them on the ludium maximus. <laughs> they would not understand it because they are so. Because they're delusional. They don't even know what a woman is. They don't know what a man is. They're confused about all kinds of things. They're blind leading the blind. So, yeah, they don't call for real justice, nor any plea for real truth. Their truth, yes, but not real truth. They trust in vanities, but vanity is not truth. Pride is not truth. They speak lies all the time. Now, they may not know their lies, but they don't know their lies because they don't want to know the truth. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. That's what FDR did. That's what LBJ did. He didn't care about the black community. He wanted to target the black community with his great society because he knew he'd make them slaves in Egypt again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Subject to their whims and wants. In verse five, it's very fascinating. They hatch cockatrice eggs. What the heck is cockatrice eggs? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's really it's fascinating. This cockatrice—it's—it's it's the point at which a terrible danger first becomes apparent, supposedly. The, the cockatrice is this this hideous hideous mythical hybrid monster. Uh, figuratively, it's the expression of, the, of, of this cockatrice eggs is used to refer to a point at which a terrible threat or danger first becomes apparent, right? What's a terrible threat or danger going to do when it first becomes apparent? It's going to create fear. This is why Jesus and Moses are constantly saying, "Fear not, <laughs> don't fall for the cockatrice eggs. another word for cockatrice eggs, false flags <laughs> you know uh, the the back when they were after uh nine eleven and you know the, the two towers fell down and all this stuff uh the people running for office they, they did people put collages together uh they mention terrorism, terrorist, terrorism, terrorist acts, terrorists, terrorist, this, this. You know, like 30 times in one speech. <laughs> That's cockatrice eggs. <laughs> Fear not. Uh, and they weave spider's webs. He that eateth the eggs dieth. If you fall for the cockatrice eggs, the false flags, the false scenarios, the the lies... You're going to die. that Because that's why they do it. To kill you. They want you to die. And that which is crushed. Breaketh out into a viper. You will become. The source of the poison. If you fall for their. False flags and false. Information. That we've talked about for the last two three years. In great detail. Been talking about it for decades. In even greater detail. But these are specifics. Uh, Their webs shall not become garments. So they're weaving spider webs, but they're not making you garments. They're capturing you. What should have been for your welfare, like David says, and Paul quotes David, what should have been for your welfare becomes a snare and a trap because they weave spider webs. This is what LBJ was doing. This is what FDR was doing. This is what the guys were doing when, you know, we talk about the guys who started the Federal Reserve. Uh, what, I mean, what their philosophy was. I mean, I went and read, their notes are on the Internet. You can go read their daily handwritten notes. <laughs> I went through just pages and pages of reading these things to get a feel for the guy. You know, one of the major guys, we have a article up on him. Uh, their feet run to evil. Where else do we see that run to evil? In Proverbs. The way of the one purse. They run to evil. Their garments neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity. And the act of violence in their hands. That's the leaven. They, for, they moved America that depended almost entirely upon free will offerings. I actually heard Rand Paul quoting Davy Crockett. We have an article. Look up Davy Crockett on the Internet uh, uh, at Preparing You. And, and hear his story of, of dealing with this idea of legal charity. It runs to evil. And they make haste to shed blood to take from others. Oh, they're only going to take from the rich. But the rich, they got lawyers and accountants. They're going to take from you. They're going to take from their neighbor. They don't love their neighbor. Oh, they say they love their neighbor. Like that guy in Dr. Zhivago with the little wire rim glasses and pushing communism and that we have to have this communism. It will save us and take care of all the needy and the poor because I am such a loving person. He ended up being this mass murderer. Shot down like a dirty dog that he had become. Why? He's full of yeast. He's full of violence. He's full of wantonness. He's not full of the love of God, the love of one another. Their thoughts are the thoughts of iniquity, wasting, and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. What is the way of peace? Faith, open charity. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whoever goeth therein shall not know peace. You will not know freedom either. Because your way is not the way of liberty. It's not the perfect law of liberty. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light. But behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We are not born again. If you're still walking in darkness and doing the iniquity, still coveting your neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority, still taking a bite out of one another, you're not born again. Read the instructions. We'll look up our article because we quote the rest of the story. So what about Jeremiah 26:15? And I could go all through Jeremiah, all through Ezekiel. They have this same message over and over again. All through Proverbs. All through Moses. This is what he's trying to teach the people. But know ye for certain that if ye put me to death, ye shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourself and upon the city and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of all truth the Lord hath sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears. But can I speak to them in your heart? Jeremiah 7.6 if ye oppress not the stranger and the fatherless and the widow and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after the gods to, to your hurt. What gods? The ruling judges that say it's okay To kill children in the womb. To say it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority one over the other. It's okay to take a bite out of your neighbor. It's not. It's not okay. And if you're doing that, you're oppressing the stranger in your midst. I've given you story after story of how they've robbed widows and orphans. And with their system of welfare... Because that system is a snare. It empowers tyrants. And you wonder where they came from? They came from your sloth. Proverbs, the slothful shall be under tribute. You're under tribute. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. You're back at the flesh pots of Egypt. And you're eating the flesh of your neighbor. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse as inflation skyrockets, more and more people. The news media is not going to cover all the people that were destroyed with these shutdowns, which are just a prelude. And, And people say, oh, they're worried now because we're waking up. If you don't wake up to this, you're not waking up because they got another step in their plan, already planned. I can see it. Moses can see it. Jesus could see it. But unless you repent and gather together for the purposes of God and the purposes of Christ and the purposes of Moses to start forgiving one another and caring for one another, you're not going to see what you need to see. I get people writing me all the time saying, oh, this terrible thing is happening, that terrible thing is happening. I even have remote members of my family that, that aren't seeing it. But until you see, you you can't just be a good guy. You have to be God's good guy. You have to do things according to the way of God. And 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 you know, like I said, I just did. his over an hour show with an atheist. I I think I rattled his his branches. I don't know. We'll see if he calls me back <laughs> for another show. But I'll share that with you on the network shortly, hopefully. Jeremiah twenty two three. Thus saith the Lord, execute ye judgment and righteousness and deliver the spoiled out of the hands of the oppressor. Right now, most of you are the oppressors. And do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor the widow, neither shed innocent blood in this place. How many people are dying in the Ukraine that were innocent while we turn it into a war zone, absolutely avoidable, absolutely preventable. But you have elected the beast to be your rulers. And and you, you cry, peace and justice, save the Ukrainians. You're destroying the Ukraine. Millions of them have left and will never ever go back according to what they say. Because you did not do what you should have done to begin with which actually has to do with the sacrifice of the red heifer which we will eventually get to <laughs> Jeremiah twenty-two seventeen. but thine eyes and thy heart are not but for thy covetousness and for to shed innocent blood and for oppression and for violence to do it Because your houses are full of the leaven of Egypt and you all sit by the flesh pots of Egypt, grinding the bones of your neighbor. The problems that people could not solve during COVID and the shutdowns, they cried out for justice, but they had no means. If they had been doing what we've been talking about for 30, 40 years, they would have had the means. And you need the means now. You need to repent now. You need to come together now for the purposes of Christ. Why he said to come together. Why Moses said to come together. They're already talking about the congregations of the children of Israel. You need to be the congregations of the children of God. So I'm just going to keep going down through some of these quotes uh, I, like I said, I just gleaned some of them yesterday trying to get ready. I was really busy the first part of this week. I just worked myself into exhaustion and could not get ready to prepare for this program. I'm trying to always get ahead, but it's, it's, it's like running up a sandy hill. You take two steps and slide back one. But, uh, but if everybody would come together and start doing what God said all along, You wouldn't be wearing me out, and they wouldn't have been wearing Moses out. And we will see how they took the burden off of Moses. And they did it through a network. They were already organizing before they even left Egypt. But they were putting another burden on Moses. You know, like, how do we fix this, Moses? How do we fix this, Moses? What do we do about this, Moses? You need to talk to God, and God will show you how to fix it. I, I cannot micromanage everybody, and neither can the ministers that are in the congregations already. The people, the kingdom of God is elder-driven because it's driven by the spirit of the elders. And we'll see that. We'll see references to elders. What is was he talking about, elders? That's the heads of families. And heads of heads and heads of families. But anyway, Lamentations four thirteen for the sin of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her, they have wandered as blind men in the streets, they have polluted themselves with blood, so that men could not touch their garments. They cried unto them, Depart ye. It is unclean. Depart, depart, touch not. When they fled away and wandered, they said among the heathen, they shall no more sojourn there. The anger of the Lord hath divided them. We will no more regard them. They respected not the persons of the priests. They favored not the elders. Okay, what is this with the priests, the iniquity of the priests who shed blood? Your priests are the bureaucracy that runs your social welfare system. Not only those who hand out, but those who collect. Because they collect with blood and violence and oppression. They are your, your taskmasters, your legislatures, uh, because you're really not, what you receive in benefits is not coming from your, what you were taxed, what you were forced to contribute. It's borrowed against the future of your children. You're at the point where you're not only merchandise back in the bondage of Egypt, But your covetous practices are cursing your children as they raise the debt ceiling and raise it and raise it and raise it. There is no going back now. There is only repentance. Changing the way you think. Changing the way you live. You still have to pay your tally of bricks but you need to glean in the field at night for your straw. And you need to glean in the... What do you want your straw for? To help take care of the needy of your society and you need to come together with other people who are seeing this and trying to go the other way and you need to help us look for other people who will are and are willing to see this in chapter 5 uh, verse 2 our inheritance is turned to strangers our house to aliens we are orphans and the fatherless our mothers as widows because we do no more for our parents We have drunken our water for money. Our wood is sold unto us. Our necks under uh, persecution. We labor, have no rest. We have given the hand of to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Our fathers have sinned and are not. And we have borne their iniquities. And, and you, your fathers have eaten sour grapes and turned your teeth on edge. All the same thing. You borrowed against the future. And you, you which is, shows you are not keeping the Sabbath. You didn't collect what you were going to need for the Sabbath. You borrowed against next week to, so that you could have free food today. This is the theme of the Bible from end to end. And all, the, and what stops people, and I won't mention any names here, to come right up to the edge, come right up close and say it. But they don't quite step through the door. They don't cross over to the other side and look back and say, oh, because they're not willing to say, oh, I've been wrong for decades. I've been wrong my whole life. This is wrong. I mean, we're seeing the evidence of it it's so extreme now. You know, like Dennis Prager, I, I, I eventually have somewhere in my notes where I say that he got right up to the edge. I've seen, uh, people like Anomaly and people like, uh, Jordan Peterson, seeing little bits and pieces, seeing the breadcrumbs of the kingdom. And, and, you know, like looking for the horror frost, looking for the manna. They're picking it up but they haven't filled the Omar gas. <laughs> they have to keep looking. Keep looking. <laughs> Ezekiel 7:23 Make a chain for the land is full of bloody crimes. The city is full of violence, full of leaven. It's full of leaven. Full of bloody crimes, biting one another. Taking from one another. The the murder and mayhem that Jordan Peterson always talks about in communism, it begins in socialism. And it begins in democratic socialism the worst. Because we all take part in desiring free schools, free education. Now he's doing stuff, he's trying to create it so that you can have a college education for a very low, 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 low price. And you don't have to take out student loans. He's he's doing a lot of things to go back in the other direction. But you got to go all the way. Get, yeah, 'Cause though the water's coming back into the Red Sea <laughs> and and you won't even get to. because I'm just getting you down to the shores of the Red Sea. <laughs> but what you really need in order to get you across is you need the fire of God between you and evil. But you need the light of God between you and all the evil. You can't dabble in it. You can't do it a little bit. you got to go all the way. That's why you need a living network. It's so important that you do it. And there's a lot of little things to learn along the way. But that's why we go that way. That's why Moses is setting this up. That's why, you know, where they're going to get this manna for 40 years is that, it's going to take forty years for them to even begin to learn the lessons, and we're going to see in subsequent chapters all those people and what happens to many of those people who refuse to learn those lessons and those same things are going to happen to many of us. The ground is going to open up and swallow people I mean that we we live in interesting times. <laughs> Wherefore I will bring. The worst of the heathen, and they shall possess their houses. I will also make the pomp of the strong cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. Okay, Ezekiel, remarkable. Ezekiel was a prophet of prophets. He saw things in the future. And he talks about it. It's not just... All the things that he sees, because history repeats itself, repeats itself as well. But he saw details (laughs) that were astounding. Yes, heathens, the worst of the heathens, shall possess your houses. Done deal. But in many cases, they will actually occupy them and defile them. Destruction cometh, and they shall seek peace, and there shall be none. Mischief shall come upon mischief. You know, China, I always thought it was interesting that when it was doing its incursions in the South Pacific, threatening Australia and and some of the other countries there, one of the first places they went to was what a place called Mischief Island. And they were being mischievous on Mischief Island. Now they're moving over to Taiwan and sending their balloons and what have you over America. And, uh, and, uh, aliens. <laughs> There's so much talk of aliens now. And here we just saw that in, in uh, some of the verses I just read this. But destruction does come. But it comes because we have turned a blind eye to our own iniquity. Mischief shall come upon mischief, and rumor shall be upon rumor. Then shall they seek a vision of the prophet, but the law shall perish from the priests and the council of the ancients. Ezekiel nine nine. then said he unto me, the iniquity of the house of Israel, and we should be the house of Israel, all of us, it's not a bloodline, it's supposed to be the people of faith, you say you're of the faith, then you should be of the house of faith, which is the house of Israel, but iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah, exceeding great. And the land is full of blood and the city full of perverseness. For they say the Lord hath forsaken the earth and the Lord seeth not. No, it isn't the Lord that has forsaken. It is we have forsaken the Lord. Abortion by the millions is a symptom of the problem. Uh the, This... Uh, Dysphoria about all kinds of things of uh, your own truth and, you know, what's a man, what's a woman. These are just symptoms. They're not the problem. You can't, you can't cure by curing the symptom. You have to cure the disease and the disease is that elephant in the room. Our dependence upon legal charity. Our dependence upon coveting our neighbor's goods. And our need To make covenants with men who promise us liberty, but deliver us into bondage, which we'll get to probably in the afternoon show. But Ezekiel 16.38, and I will judge thee as women that break wedlock and shed blood are judged. I will give thee blood in fury and jealousy, and I will also give thee in their hands, and they shall throw down thine imminent places, and shall break down thy high places, and shall strip thee also of thy clothes, and shall take thy fair jewels, and leave thee naked and bare. The holocausts of World War Two and Germany and Russia and in Europe and in Japan, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, all this, all this is nothing compared to what we will face in the future. But if you repent, if you see your part in these covenants, if you give up your religion for the pure religion of God, You may be able to turn around and go the other way. You you may be able to flee the bloody city before it is absolutely destroyed. And I'm not telling people to, you know, get in your car, drive out and everybody flee the city. I'm not telling that. I'm talking about this, the nature of these flesh pots, this Cauldron of flesh, these bloody cities that lick the blood of the people. That's what Amalek. Remember, I said Amalek, and we're going to see that in the next chapter. Amalek's being fought, and and who tells us about Amalek's? The Book of Balaam. <laughs> What's Balaam? That's the era of the Nicolaitans. What's the era of the Nicolaitans? It's the covetous practices of f d r and l b j and and uh trudeau <laughs> and all these governments and even Netanyahu. He still has that system in place. They're still dependent upon it. They just backpedaled a little bit. Even Sweden. It was absolutely destroying Sweden early on because they were going this socialist way. They backpedaled and it saved them from absolute destruction. But they're still peddling in the world where some of their people think debt is good. Debt is wonderful. (laughs) They actually, they base their... Economic plan based on debt is good. No. Debt is bad. (laughs) Debt is bondage. Debt darkens the eyes. Woe to the bloody cities. I will even make the pile for fire great. You can also read. You want to see some of what Ezekiel could do. You can read Ezekiel 38.11 to Ezekiel 39. And... uh, I suspect that they're talking about our times, although, like I say, history repeats itself. But uh, there's some uncanny things there, but we'll have to save it to when we're going through Ezekiel. Right now we're going through Exodus 16, and we got a long ways through a lot of it, but there's more, and you just have to turn it, because I didn't get to the part where Dennis Prager, in episode 7, actually said something great, wonderful, (laughs) something I have said many, many times. And hopefully, oh, we will see that in the days to come. So, until then, peace on your house, and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom dot his holy dot net